Welcome to FRT, the IF podcast at the intersection of finance, regulation, and technology. Today, we're going to look at the global landscape of privacy legislation and some draft federal privacy law that's moving through the United States Congress. And to do that today, we're very pleased to be speaking with Liz Roberts, general counsel of the IF, and somebody who's looked at uh, privacy legislation across all of the markets that we operate. So welcome, Liz. Thanks, Conan. It's great to be here. So this question of privacy legislation and data frameworks in general has become increasingly important in financial services as we look at a fragmented map. GDPR was one of the first strong moves um, in privacy regulation that moved into the market. And of course, that had strong extraterritorial impacts. Since then, we've seen a number of other markets move in with privacy legislation, notably China last year with their personal information protection law, the PIPL, uh, which was their first comprehensive law designed to regulate online data and personal information. As we look at this landscape of really quick moving personal data protection laws across a number of jurisdictions, one of the things that we're concerned about is that it's being done in a really quick manner across most jurisdictions. The thoughts about unintended consequences are tough to really map through when something is moving that quickly. And these are laws that are being developed outside of the financial services regulatory sector, but of course have a huge impact on an industry Uh, that relies on a lot of personal identifiable information and relies on the efficient flows of data across borders. So for financial service firms, this wave of privacy legislation and other data frameworks that are moving across the economy are becoming increasingly concerning trend. And the U.S. has been one of those major markets that hasn't had a law or regulation in place at the federal level, but that is poised to perhaps change. So, Liz, could you tell us a bit about this federal bill in the U.S. and uh, what's going on? Sure. So this bill, the emergence of this draft is significant, given that previous efforts in Washington have been mostly party line efforts that failed to bridge the partisan gap. And recently in June, they released a draft that was bipartisan and bicameral. So this is a significant release of a draft. Currently, it is in the House going through the the committee process where it will be marked up, it will be amended, it will come out of the House. If it comes out of House committees, it then goes to the Senate and it will then be amended there. And it may look quite different from the draft that was released in June, but at that time it would go to a vote in the Senate as well. And this is an effort to standardize data privacy policy in the U.S. And it's uh, contrasting with, you know, the trend to date has been data privacy at the state level. So what are some of the drivers that you see for this legislation? I think the drivers have been there for a long period of time. You could probably go all the way back to some of the major data breaches with Equifax and others. But until now, There have been, as I mentioned before, a lot of partisan positioning around certain issues. But in the meantime, several states were coming up with their own state privacy laws. There are about seven states now that have their own statutes and others are coming online imminently. And I actually think the business community was pushing some of their elected officials about getting something that was standard that would preempt these state privacy laws so they would have a standard that they could apply across all the states. And California was famously one of those states that did come forward early with uh, privacy regulation. 
And you know, one of its interesting rights was a right to be forgotten. And I know implementation there was, uh, was a bit of a challenge. So as you think about you know, taking what's already in place at the state level and federal preemption, maybe a word for our you know, foreign audience that uh, might not be as familiar with how state and federal laws uh, work and, and what the impact of this federal legislation would be across all of those existing statutes in the U.S. So what preemption would mean is that the federal law would take the place and supersede all of the state laws. And this is an issue that was fairly controversial among the people that wanted this legislation because the business community would rather have a single standard and they were pushing for that. And, and then the other issue that was something that was slowing down this legislation was the private right to action, which the business community is not in favor of, but civil society is in favor of. So what you see in this, in this latest draft is that you have preemption with certain exceptions, certain parts of the California rules will survive. And then you also have a private right of action, which means that an individual could bring a claim against a company or a firm that they don't think is in compliance with these privacy laws. And the compromise there was that if you want to make a claim as an individual, you have to file first with the FTC and your state lawmakers, your state attorney general, actually before you can file the claim directly against the company. So you bring up an important point there. The FTC, the Federal Trade Commission, uh, would be the crucial body for this draft legislation. What would their, their role be? So the FTC would be the agency that would be the keeper of these privacy rules. They would set up a Bureau of Privacy within the FTC that would regulate and monitor the compliance of these laws. They would also, if the law is passed, it would be up to the FTC to promulgate the regulations and rules that would really get into the nitty gritty of what compliance would look like going forward. And what's industry reaction been to this uh, draft legislation? As you said, you know, industry was one of the drivers looking for a consistent framework across the U.S. market. But how has industry reacted to you know, what's emerged in a draft bill? You've seen somewhat of a, of a mixed reaction. Some in the financial services trades have submitted comment letters and their reaction is what we would expect. They would like stronger preemption of the state laws, meaning that the federal rule would be the standard and they wouldn't have the fragmentation among the states here in the U.S. And they would also like to eliminate the private right of action, which would eliminate the right of an individual to bring a claim against a company. And they argue that that would give rise to frivolous lawsuits. And in the banking industry specifically, they would also like to see clarification because there is some ambiguity on whether this law would apply to banks or other financial institutions because the FTC doesn't normally regulate those entities and privacy in the U.S. for banking is generally comes under the Gramm-Leach-Bliley Act, not to get into too much legislative uh, language, but they are looking for clarification on to what extent this would cover banks. And the, the language of the draft legislation does say that if you have an affiliate that's a non-bank, 
it definitely covers you. So if you co-brand with a non-bank entity or you have any sort of affiliate that's a non-bank, you're absolutely going to be covered by this law. And that type of clarity, would you expect that in the legislation or do you think that's something that might happen um, during implementation with the FTC or do you expect it to be clear in the final version of the law? I think that from the feedback that I've seen, they're hoping to get that into the legislation itself so it doesn't have to wait for the FTC to set forth that in the, in the regulations. So this draft law would would address you know fragmentation in the U.S. You know we'll see to what degree the preemption of state law would happen, where where that sort of balance would be going forward. But as we look at the international landscape, you know one of the main questions GDPR has of course you know uh, driven a lot of compliance work in the U.S. and it's been you know a really relevant you know law in an extraterritorial way here in this market. So how does what's um, drafted and moving through the U.S. Congress map with the GDPR, the General Data Protection Regulation in Europe? It's a great question. It's sort of like just when you thought your compliance team was up to speed on privacy because GDPR was the gold standard, in comes the U.S. with what some are calling GDPR on steroids. So it is another layer to the global fragmentation of privacy laws. And it's the way it's drafted now, it's coming in with a big hammer. So it'll be interesting to see where it ends up at the end of the day. But for example, you know, everyone who's been compliant with GDPR knows that they need to have a privacy policy and they need to be transparent about how they're going to use the data that they receive from clients or customers. So everyone is used to seeing that. But if you look at the language of the draft US proposed language, not only do you have to have a privacy policy, you also, if you amend it, you have to notify everyone who is affected by that amendment in some material way. And you also have to keep a log, a 10-year log of all amendments listing and explaining each amendment. And then you also have to include explicitly whether you are transferring data to China, Russia, Iran, or North Korea. So it's more granular and more, it will be more burdensome as you go forward when you have to include all those amendments and notify everyone and keep that log. And then the other, I mean, this private right of action is, is very different from the European approach. So this will mean that for companies, non-U.S. companies that are operating in the U.S., they will be subject to this, potentially subject to claims by individuals if those individuals think that they are not compliant with the U.S. privacy law. So that might be you know, one place where being compliant with both laws at the same time might be a bit of a challenge for you know, those of our members that operate in, in both jurisdictions. I think there there is some shared overlap, though, correct, in that both provisions would be based strongly on an individual's right to their own data. And is that something that, that you see is at least at the core that the, the two regulations would you know share a strong overlap? Absolutely. And that's really the underlying structure of the U.S. and the EU, the GDPR, is generally the same based on the individual's right to access, delete, their their personal data. So all of the, the bones are there. It's just when you start to flesh it out is where you see the differences. One other difference about the U.S. versus GDPR, which is interesting in the U.S., 
employee data is not covered as it is under the GDPR. So that's one of the few places where the US law has a little bit of a lighter touch than GDPR. I don't know if that makes up for the other, but it is one, it's one thing. So it sounds like we have, you know, another instance of fast moving legislation. I think industry has been concerned at the overly rushed pace. I think this has been a global trend ever since, you know, the Cambridge Analytica and Facebook and Equifax hacks. And, you know, there's been a strong societal call for action um, and a strong response. And I think parliaments um, and certainly the U.S. Congress now has joined the fray in trying to respond to those um, societal interests. But one of the things that we're very concerned about is that when it's being done in a rush state like this, the unintended consequences, the potential for conflicting regulation that has extraterritorial impacts where choosing which regulation to be compliant with uh, could be an increasing problem. And, you know, I think much of the world has just looked at sort of GDPR as being what they have to have to deal with. But now if you are operating in the U.S. and Europe, potentially in the future, trying to square these two two regulations might be a real challenge going forward. Any you know, further closing thoughts from you, Liz, as we um, think about the path here? You know, what, what do you think, you know, what is the, the, the path forward for this legislation and what should people be looking out for in, in progress? Well, and that's another great question. It is, as I said earlier, it's in the House now. It has to come out of the House and go to the Senate, you know, to the next, our next House in our legislative process. We do have midterm elections coming up this fall, which are very important to many of our elected officials. So there will there will be a rush to get things done before then. And I think, Conan, you're absolutely right. A lot of the feedback you're seeing from industry is that this is being this is being too much of a rushed process. The draft was introduced in June, and some people will be pushing to get it past before the recess, before the elections in November. Will that happen, you know, is the big question mark. But even if it doesn't happen, this is still a significant move toward a U.S. federal policy and law. And if this doesn't pass this year, it is certainly going to be a template for legislation in the next Congress. So keep your eyes out for developments in the U.S. on privacy regulation. And as we think about how these privacy frameworks around the world have become a significant new vector for localization and fragmentation in recent years, you know, this is another major market that is, as we discussed, would have some good overlap with GDPR, um, but again, not be harmonized. And so for those institutions who are operating in multiple markets, this is just uh, another new vector of, of headache to deal with. So thank you very much for tuning into this episode of FRT. And thank you very much, Liz, for um, helping us get a quick snapshot of what's going on in the U.S. on privacy regulation. <laughs>